Well, thank you both for being here. Our pleasure. We haven't started yet. But it's his, his pleasure, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I, I and, tur- and it I've turned it down before. This you, time he well, said, well, You've been asked before? I have been asked I before. have not been asked before. Mm. So I, Daniel said, that's... anytime I wanted to come on, I was welcome. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am shocked. Here we go. I would just Here like to state go. for the record that this is season two <laughs> and Ken Castleberry is just now getting on. I think we should respect our elders more than that, well, and we should have him on earlier. Listen, I am not Russell Mundy worthy. That's all I'm going to say right there. No story time from you? Oh, no. Oh, I would like to hear some story time with Ken. No, no, no. I can't draw it out for 30 minutes like Russell can. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daniel. No, you're good. Yeah. This is why we are here. Right? Yeah. I have no idea how this episode's going to go. <laughs> we have five microphones for five people, and that may not be enough. We have with us two preachers sitting at the table. Talkative people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, that that is a fact. So buckle up, but uh, before we get started, officially, we... Uh, we are glad that you are here. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, and we will continue to bring you great uh, product, like two preachers, content, content yeah. great content, and uh, y- you'll thank us when this episode's over for uh, <laughs> for this roller coaster ride we are about to go on. You can reach out to us, podcast at parkwaybc.net. We would love to hear from you. Check out our Instagram page, rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of stuff, and here we go. Buckle so, up. We have with us today Ken Castleberry. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. The one and only. The one and yep. only. And the also other one and only, <laughs> Matt Meganson. Thank you for being here. Great. Thanks for asking me. Season two. <clears throat> we finally got on. Thank you. I see the priorities. How many episodes? 28, 35? We, 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 we were laying the groundwork. You know, we had to get to a certain level before we had either one of you two on here. And it just so happens we got both. But, uh, you know, we, we don't want to disrespect anybody. So of course. right off the top here, we're going to hit you with a heavy question. <laughs> wow. Is it pastor? Is it preacher? Is it brother? How do we need to address you when you're when not only here when you're out in public? How should how should the people address you all? Uh, uh, Ken is your, your, your eminence. Your eminence. Your eminence, <laughs> Kenneth Castleberry. Matt is your holiness. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Those who love him call him Kenny. Those who don't call him Ken. I'm not, I can't tell you what they call Matt when they don't love him. <laughs> Heather would have something to say about that, though. Uh, titles don't matter to, to preachers, ministers. We're just glad to serve. So people call yeah. us what they want to call us. Yeah. When I I started here at Parkway as a minister of family life, I was just kin. When I was voted to become pastor, the interim pastor before me, Mike Dawson, told the congregation I was no longer kin. I was brother kin. Oh, yeah. And so he put that on me i would have probably preferred pastor ken or something like that but uh it was it it became brother ken so i answered anything i didn't have anybody say that to the church when i joined they didn't say you are no longer this or that so whatever people call me they call me and it's i answered all of it so it's good 
they took that way more serious. And I, I mean, that was that was the easy question for that for was, tonight, guys. Was, I mean. And there's no PowerPoint behind them to no, read off no, of none of that. So I, I will say the there's been a debate. Do I want to be Pastor Matt or Brother Matt? And my wife said, "Don't ever ask me to call you either one of those. <laughs> <laughs> just you're just mad at me when you get home. I don't care what they call you when you walk in the door. You're a daddy, and you're Matt. That's it. So." Well, we, we're glad that you all are here. We're going to hit some some heavier topics and, and get your opinions on those and maybe a little um, guidance and leadership, and we're going to hit some not-so-heavy topics. It's going to be an up-and-down night, but uh, that's what we like. We like the Yeah, those are the good ones. Yeah, we like to have a little fun but also be productive and ease into it a little bit more. We're, we're not going to hit you with the real heavy stuff yet, <laughs> but when pastors are together— if you go play golf or, or meet for lunch or something, what do pastors talk about? What do you talk about when you get together outside of a church? Well, first of all, we have a, a prayer time together, and we hold <laughs> leap, hands leap, and leap. sing Kumbaya. Uh, usually we talk about members that we can't stand. <laughs> Because you know it's not coming back. Present <laughs> company excluded, of course. Not you feel, a, like, you feel like sharing that list? Uh, well, you, you might not want to see that list. <laughs> no, we don't. <clears throat> How do you spell Fano? No. <laughs> no, I think we have normal interactions, and we just enjoy getting out and having a good time just like anybody else. We'll talk sports, talk about family. We do talk about some church things, but usually if we're out doing things like that, we just want to have a good time like everybody else. I think that's a – misconception that pastors we can't have a good time but christianity is fun and it should be the most fun field life that anybody could live and uh so well when I, ken plays golf and he plays every week so he's a good golfer i've been invited to go in a few times and we talk about how bad wait, i'm wait playing a minute, wait a minute wait i'm a minute. playing really bad <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. he'll be like really in the woods again uh, like i'm sorry I, i'm working some of us are working here listen he get he got invited all the time but no, he always had excuses of why he couldn't go. Family, as much as oh, his kids, oh, my wife. Goodness. I've got all those too, but you put those to the side. We're going to play golf, baby. Come on. Usually we'd play like at seven thirty in the morning, and Lazy Bones didn't want to get out of bed. That's the deal. He I have didn't to want take to get... my kids to school. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I get it. Kids, I get in, get in the so, way. All so the you, time. what do we talk about? I can't talk to Ken because he's ahead of me because he outdrives me. But he also he's in a hurry. I can't. I'm talking to the back of his head because he's come on. We got to go. You get out of the car. And you're late, even if you're not late. Come on, we're going. I said, we got 30 minutes. No, we're teeing off now. We got to go. There's no warm ups. There's no putt. Can I hit a bucket? No, you can't hit a bucket. We got to go. So we're in a hurry to go. We're in a hurry to play. We're in a hurry to go home. I'm not really sure what the hurry is, but uh, that's how we play golf. Speed golf. Well, speed golf. He's in the fairway. I'm in the woods. That's how we play. Now, I mean, dinner time, dinner time, bedtime. It comes early for some people, so you know yeah. it's they gotta they gotta get back yeah, to dinner. The house. At, dinner at four, and you know, <laughs> hey, there's no crowds, no waiting, good prices. You ought to try, you ought to try it sometime. <laughs> try it. You might like it. Yeah. I met Zach Edson for lunch today. We opened Chop House up at 11 o'clock, so uh, we were the first ones nice. there. That's, awesome. That's the way to do it. And they were rushing those people. Hey, can we can we get a little service here? Can you get the grill fired up? We're, we're ready to go. So let, look, we're, we're going to ease into this because 
You keep saying we're going to ease into it. What are you going to do to us? Are we going to have a colonoscopy? What's the deal here? I mean, seriously. That would be a first for the podcast. I don't know that we're qualified for that. Thank goodness. I would like to do that. I'd like to reschedule my appointment. Aren't you glad you're on this episode, Matt? <laughs> the, uh, speaking of cameras, Ryan, we do have some new cameras today. Yeah. So we we got new cameras today yeah. just for YouTube because we want to show yeah. you in as much color and detail as possible because you are the most important guest we've ever had on with these cameras. Yeah, so. with wow, these he's cameras. making up. He's yeah. trying to make up episode 37. Yeah. Check that off. <laughs> so I should know the episode number. Let's see. I think it's right at this 30. might be 30. I think tonight is 29 yeah. or 30. Uh, I was going to say 28, but I'm probably wrong. I think Amanda was 28. Are they? We did Amanda last week? Who's come on the most? Uh, the three of us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what guests have come on the most? I've seen people multiple times. My name didn't come up. Ken's know. name didn't come Russell. up. Probably Russell. Russell, Russell multiple times. Russell or Russell Zach. Four? Russell or Zach. Four uh, times before us? Well, that counts a Christmas special and yeah. all kinds yeah. of stuff. But the people love Russell. He, his yeah. story – if. For those of you that do not know Russell, he is very quiet, very low-key, but when he comes in this studio, he flips the switch, and Does. he is yep. here to entertain the people. He's a gamer. He's a gamer, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, progressing on to a little tougher question here. What is something maybe that pastors deal with? You touched it on a little bit that you're just regular people, um, but what's something maybe you deal with that most people would not realize or, or – or think about? Well, I think, uh, first of all, just to prepare a message uh, every week. You remember in school when you did a term paper? Mm. Imagine having to do one of those every week. That's that's what you have to put into to, to get a sermon ready. Study, preparation, it takes time. And as soon as you get through with that uh, term paper or that message, guess what? The clock's running again. And you've got to do that. And that's only one part of your job. Um, you've got 101 other things to do. And so I know, you know, the age old, you know, I'd love to have a job where you just show up on Sundays and Wednesdays right. and you don't have anything else <laughs> to do. Days a week. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that way at all. And it's not, I mean, we're called, we're called to this. So it's not sour grapes. It's just that sometimes people don't understand the time and preparation. And when I first started in the ministry back in the Middle Ages, uh, you know, in medieval times, uh, we had I had three sermons to prepare a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They were all worship service times, and it was wild. So you'd have to pick and choose. You know, everything couldn't get grade A. You, you had to work to see what you did, and it was very difficult. And... Uh, but even now, if you just have a Sunday morning message, you still have a Bible study from time to time or other speaking opportunities. Those funerals come up uh, at sometimes yeah. the most inopportune times. Mm. And the regular member, when they show up on Sunday morning, they want to know if you look old and haggard, what have you been doing all week, you know? Mm. And, and it's the time thing, I think, for me, would be one thing. I don't think people really have their hands around Um you know what we have to do. I agree with that. And it's also ongoing. It never ends. You don't punch a clock and go home to family and it just you're just there with the family. Your mind is always thinking about the next message. You're working on it in your heart, in your mind. The phone rings. It doesn't matter if you're at the dinner table. You pick it up. There's a need. you got to get up and go. 
and your spouse and your family has to understand sometimes you just got to get up and go because you're always on the clock and you're always available and, on call 24 7 yeah and yeah. people yeah. and even if the calls don't come in you're thinking and praying and preparing in your mind you can't turn it off right mm-hmm. it's hard to go on vacation and just turn it off mm-hmm. um yeah. you know when ken would go on vacation for two weeks at a time because that's what it took for him to stop thinking about work yeah. And you go and you're thinking about, oh, I need to call this person while you're there. And your, your, your family looks at you like, we're at the beach. Why are you on your phone? You're like, well, just a minute. I got to just kind of check one thing. And uh, Ken was notorious for going on vacation. And he would call in to check in with us and say, hey, man, how are things going? And I'd like, dude, you're on vacation. Be on vacation. And he was like, I was just checking in. I was like, we got this. And then I would say, hey, why don't you go back on the beach and pick up shells with the rest of the senior adults? You know, and he would be like, fine then. That's fine. I'd say, no, we got this because go, go be with your family. But you can't turn it off, right? Yeah. It's just always on your mind. It's always on your heart. And I think another thing, too, is that a pastor doesn't have a pastor. You think about that. We don't have somebody that we can go to. We have staff and we have others, but not not a pastor. We we typically aren't in a Sunday school class. We don't have that kind of support. You know, when you're in a Sunday school class, you know, and you've got a prayer need or something in your life. And that's another thing. It's hard for us to be transparent to say this is what's really troubling me or I'm having a issue with this. Oh, you're supposed to know all the answers and have everything under control and uh but you're, like you're still we, just a regular person. We are. Right? Like yeah. I said early on, we're just regular people. And uh, so we have to develop relationships sometimes outside the church. I have some minister friends that have been my confidant and helped me through issues and those kind of things. But it's difficult when you yourself. And one other thing, we it's hard for us to really get close to other mm-hmm. even members because if we get really close as a friend, yeah. then we're playing favorites. And, oh, yeah. that's his buddy and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And you've kind of got to spread the love. And it's, uh, you know, again, it's just part of it. But it's different than for other people and what they experience when they're here. Yeah. So, Ken so Matt, was. Is that, is that why you don't play racquetball with us anymore? Um, <laughs> you I, think your I think it's because you hit me twice with <laughs> no, the no, racquetball. That was a year ago. <laughs> Sir, got hit twice in the same game, and, I, and then a oh, the racket in the head from Daniel, and I thought, no, racket balls for me anymore. I mean, maybe that's why. Yeah, but you know, Ken was he was my pastor before I became the pastor here, and he was the best at checking up on his staff as well as the church. And every conversation from Ken was, how are you? How's your wife? He knows my kids' names. He knows what my kids are doing, and not because I'm on staff, but because he cares about me. And he pours that out on everybody, but who, yeah. pour, who pours it out on Ken? Yeah. So when we go play golf, sometimes that's the, conver- that's the real conversations we have. How's your family? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's your wife? How are things going with those things? Because we don't get that other places. And so we're friends to each other yeah. when we do that because he, we don't get it necessarily other places like that. They just answered three of my questions, so you guys are going to have to uh, <laughs> come, come, come off the bench there. The world's shortest done, episode. Yeah. You're, you're, done you're done easing into it. Uh, uh, no, we still have some more. Uh, I'm just okay. saying. That I talked the, about racquetball. I'm good. The, the list just got shorter. <laughs> got the racquetball slight in there. I'm coming next Thursday. Right? So, about that. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, you've been touching on it already, but depression building up or other stresses – um, having that outlet is important for everybody, but it's 
kind of tough because you're carrying the burdens of the entire church and you don't have that outlet kind of pre-built in. Um, what is some advice? If there's a, a someone who is new in the ministry, what would you tell them maybe that, you know, try and do this or try and build these safeguards into your ministry? Hmm. I would, I'm not good at this, but don't want to be on an Island. Uh, you, you said there's no outlet. Uh, there are some things that you cannot share even with your family. Mm-hmm. There are some confidentiality things that you just absolutely can't. And if you share those things and people know, they won't come talk to you. Right, right. And then, then it limits your ministry. So there are some things, the burdens that you have to carry alone, at least from the church family. And um, so that's the hard part is you don't need to live on an island because you become isolated. And when you're isolated, you become vulnerable mm-hmm. to depression or temptation or anything like that. You, mm-hmm. you, you become a target and... And Satan would love to divide and conquer, divide you, cut you from the herd so that you can become vulnerable and he can, he can start attacking. So I'm not great at that. I'm learning. I'm still new in ministry. Ken would probably have better advice than that. But having uh, minister friends outside of the church is probably helpful or just good friends outside of the church sometimes is necessary. Yeah. And I think one of the things would be to develop relationships with other pastors. Uh, you know, the Nashville Baptist Association has ministers' meetings. Uh, Goodlesville has a ministerial alliance. And it's hard sometimes to develop good relationships with other pastors because they're facing the same issues, and they don't, they're on time crunch. It's hard for them to get away. But I've, I found a, a best friend in Judd Hayes who was the pastor at First Baptist Old Hickory uh, at the time. And uh, we would meet together, you know, at least once a month for lunch, and uh, I could tell him anything. Now, I agree with what Matt. There are confidential things that you can't tell about people, but I could mm-hmm. tell him circumstances of situations, and he could give me advice and vice versa. If I was having problems with some of my family members or, or any personal issues, I could tell him and know that it wouldn't go any further. So I would tell young ministers to develop relationships. Matt hit the nail on the head. You you, you don't need to be out there on an island. You've got to have uh, friends around you. And then, you know, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to serve on a church the size of this church where you have a staff, you know, pour into your fellow staff members. And, and, you know, I always used to say that we are a team and we really like each other. When you see us joking and carrying on, that's real. That's genuine because we do it during the week. We would have staff meetings, we'd go eat lunch. I mean, we'd go to eat lunch just about every day, and it was a time for us to just decompress and talk about, you know, the weather, the sports, whatever. Yeah. So you got to have those relationships, and that's that's the key because if not, you'll burn yourself out trying to be everything to all people. You just can't do it. Yeah, I've got Ken on my speed dial. So, if I, yeah, I can just call him and say, you got a minute to talk, and he'll say, phone or in person? I said, lunch. He's like, great, let's do it. So he's there for me. I can go run anything through him, bounce anything off, and he never tells me what to do. But he will he will listen to me, and he will wait for me to say, what do you think, Ken? Because he won't offer his opinion unless I ask. So he's there as a support, and then he can give opinions. And, uh, you know, that's something that helps me tremendously. He's still, in a way, he's still my pastor. He's pastoring the pastors now. That's awesome. How is – I know we talked about, like, turning it off, and I know that you have been away. Have you – been able to flip the switch and turn it off a little bit a little bit i think you're geared 
a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, and Matt again said, you know, it's all what you, you just don't punch a clock and forget mm-hmm. about it. That person that's still in the hospital or that person that lost a loved one, they're hurting, they're grieving. You take that with you. So, but I have been able to, because once I'm retired and I'm out of uh, this constant 24-7 ministry, mm-hmm. you turn it off a little, but mm-hmm. you still have some of those relationships. But cool. yeah, it's 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 easier. And I've been fortunate mm-hmm. to have two interim pastorates since I retired. Okay. Very small churches, very, you know, very few people. So there's not a lot of needs. Okay. And you could pour into those, but it wasn't really time consuming. So, yeah, I've been able to to do that. Surprisingly, uh, uh-huh. it's been it's been okay. Yeah. But uh, I'd say I miss, as strange as it may seem, that's what I miss okay. about it. It's not so much the stress, but just the the relationships and mm-hmm. being involved in people's lives and being there to help if I can. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I think I've been able to turn it off some. I made a commitment to my family that there's got to be some family time that's just for them. So mm-hmm. dinner is really important to our family to try to sit down and eat together. And um, I turn my phone off or I set it over there and it starts going off and I just ignore it and I look at it. And Heather will finally say, you can get it if you want to. And I'll say, no, I'm not going to look. Uh, this is our time. And I'll wait till. Everybody's done eating, and you're like, "Are you done chewing, Manny? Are you done yet?" Because <laughs> my phone's going off. I have twenty-seven voicemails <laughs> over there waiting. But uh, and there are some times when family has to come first because it's mm. priority. You know, there are things that are more important, and Heather helps me sometimes prioritize that. She'll let me know. I think you chose poorly on that yesterday. <laughs> you know, you should have been here. But that comes rare. But I will ask her. You know, how important is this mm-hmm. this, this thing that's tonight? Because I've got a conflict. How important is that? And if she says it's important, then it comes first and everything else can wait. Other times, maybe, maybe not, but, uh, you have to, you have to prioritize to make your family, you know, if you don't make them first priority, sometimes they'll never be first priority. So they have to come first. And, you know, we we're, we're notorious for not practicing what we preach. I mean, we tell you guys, you know, family mm-hmm. comes first and you need to pour into your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church has to give, the pastor the opportunity to do the same for his own Mm. and one of the things about parkway i found even though we get called a lot and everything i never felt the pressure that i couldn't put my family first you know Mm. it might be i thought i couldn't but the church never put that pressure on me and uh, my predecessor brother jimmy just always said you know you got to take care of your family you got to take your day off during the week and when you take it off you take it off. You you try to, you know, do the family things, do things around the house, uh, or just relax and sit back and watch a movie or a ball game or what have you. And that really helped me because in my earlier years in the ministry, uh, I used my day off to catch up on everything I was behind on. And I just was, you know, if a candle, if you burn it at both ends, it's going to, you're going to burn out. And, uh, you got you to gotta protect yourself, and family so important. An example of that would be I was on family vacation, and my phone went off, and I don't know why I answered it, but I'm walking down a sidewalk, and I answered the phone, and it was a church member, and they said, where are you at? And I looked around and I said, I'm in Times Square, New York. And they went, oh, I didn't know that. Why did you take the call? And Heather's like, yeah, why did you take the call? <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I took the call. Let me turn that, how do you turn this thing off? You know, that was a bad decision. Yeah. So 
we are maybe a little more uh, local on this episode than we normally are, but this is all good advice for people in the ministry, but also just people in general, mm-hmm. wherever you happen to work, these same principles will apply in some way yeah. and they could help you be more, uh, uh, live out your faith more in your workplace if you're not in the ministry. So, uh, don't think that we're just here to talk to ourselves this week. This is still, uh, a broad hitting episode, but some of these stories, this is why we brought these two guys in, uh, because we knew they would have stories to tell against each other. So dads, and, turn off your phones. <laughs> all dads, turn Fa- off your phones. Fa- family time is important. <laughs> family time is important up. across all uh, spectrums of, of work life and, and things like that. So, all right. If someone, as a pastor, someone comes to you with a trivial thing that is super insignificant, and you're like, this does not matter one bit. Why are we talking about this? How would you handle that? Unfortunately, I always handle it as if it were an important matter. I mean, if they felt necessary to to talk to me, then I always valued them and valued what they were trying to say. Eventually, the you know, you get to a point to where you have to say to a person, let's look at this in the big scope of things. This is this really doesn't impact the kingdom of God. It doesn't impact our relationship with Christ. Why are we worrying about it? But uh, I think one of the things you have to be, you have to be sensitive to people because an issue that's trivial to me may be super important to them. And if you crush their spirit or turn them off, you may then not have an entree into sharing the deeper things of the faith with them. So I would, I had a lot of conversations and a lot of meetings that I sat there and I'm thinking, what in the why am I here? What are we doing? This is we're just going through motions. But try to value the person. And then, then there's sometimes you know you you have to learn your audience. There's some people and you when you hear where it's coming from, you just tell them. Shut up. That's that, 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 you know, that doesn't matter. Get out of here. i got more important things to do. And there's a few of those people, probably some in this room, that I would say that to, you know, when we had those conversations. We, we tell Ryan every week. <laughs> You've only done that to wrap me it twice. Up. Stop that. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. I would say that uh, people need to be heard. They don't need to be agreed with. You just need to let them listen to them. Yeah. And they appreciate the fact that you're listening, even if you don't agree, even if you don't solve it, you don't have magical answers. The fact that you listen makes a big difference to them. Um, Ken has a secret that he shared that in in his office, he's got a clock on the wall in the back that he can look at. And he kind of makes sense to make sure that these meetings don't go too long. And there's a, well, there's a, there's a, there's a tactful way to wrap this up. And because you got 25,000 other things to do that day and and what they're saying is important but it also it has to be part of your day not your whole day so uh, there's there's I guess there's some tact to it to listen and care uh, but also as Ken said to move along and start moving their attention to solutions and move move it to something positive yeah well you're sitting down talking to somebody and you look at your watch. That's a dead giveaway that, hey, I'm not really. I'm not listening to you anymore. Yeah, so I learned that clock idea. Is there a clock I, behind I, yeah, me? Right? Yeah. They do that to you every Sunday when you're preaching, right? They kind of check their, check their watch all the time. Uh, you see the random uh, nod down? I think, I think they're sleeping most of the time. They start packing up the stuff, <laughs> yeah. getting ready to go to lunch. I was always praying just to make sure. You're yeah. Always praying. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
kind of going back a little bit, talking about praying in a prayer life, that's got to be important for a pastor of any size church. But this really transcends into anybody in the ministry or not seeking God. But we're focused on pastors here. All the time it takes to prepare a message and, and care for the people and take those phone calls. How do you prioritize seeking God? One, just staying in his spirit and growing closer to him, but two, seeking guidance for the church. Well, the thing that I've done, and I started this several years ago, I, I like to go for a walk or a jog. I actually coined a new word. I jock. You know, it's not, it's just a little bit more than a walk, but it's not as much as a jog. It's a I, shuffle. I, yeah, I jog. Get those elbows going. That's yeah. right. And, uh, you know, Matt can tell you, I mean, I would get on the track here, but uh, I would, you know, go to Moss Wright Park or whatever just to get out. And that for me, and I, and I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't listen to music. I didn't have any earbuds in. That was my opportunity to kind of get away from it all and just focus on God and focus on uh, the prayer needs of the people uh, or issues related to the church. And while people may say, well, you're just taking 30 minutes to go off and walk, I'm, I'm utilizing. And I still do that now, even in retirement. Uh, the first thing I do in the daytime is to go off uh, for a walk, and I use that to pray for my family, to pray for my friends, to seek God's will for me. And it's amazing to me that I can be walking, and, and you know, I've never heard an audible voice from God, but He impresses on my heart somebody to pray for or something, or, you know, Matt maybe doesn't struggle with this, but, you know, trying to figure out what to preach on, series to do or scriptures to use, and you can just be walking and all of a sudden, you know, he just drops it in your lap while you're doing it. It just kind of clears your head. So for me, that's been one thing because I'm prone if I'm behind a desk or in a room, I, my attention span, I hear something, I go mm -hmm. to, you know, what's that, and I get off track. So for me... That's been important. Now, obviously, Bible study, I can't do that. Although, uh, you know, I do take my phone and uh, I can look at some scriptures, but, uh, you know, I have to spend other time to have personal devotion. That's that's one thing that people have to understand, too. Our whole life can't just be about preparing that sermon. We've got to go to God's Word every day just to nourish us uh, with no strings attached, God. I'm not trying to find a Bible study or something to share. What do you want to say to me? And uh, so I have to do that a little separate. Uh, but for me, just to get out by myself, nobody else around, focus in, that, that's what's helped me. I think the challenge is when you are by yourself talking to God, your mind will wander and you'll start thinking about the message that you're working on or the next message after that or what you have to do. And it's hard to stay focused on you when you know the needs of so many others and you think, oh, I need to share this first. I need to text this to somebody who's he's struggling with this right now. Let me text this to him. And quickly your mind just turned from what God's saying to you to what he's saying to the church. And it's a challenge for me to get refocused again 
Um, I get inspiration in a lot of different ways. In the showers, where I get a lot of inspiration, I'm like, "Oh, it's a great idea! I, I can't have anything to write with." <laughs> Take the soap and write it on the shower door or something. Yeah. Uh, cutting the grass when you're not able to do other things, all of a sudden your mind starts kind of going there. Um, I try to find a quiet place, like Ken said, in the office. It's busy and it's loud, and the phone's ringing and people are talking, and it's an office setting. That's not always the office setting. It's not the most spiritual, holy place to get to to really com- commune with God. So. So I try to get away with nature. I have a spot that I've selected that I go to that no one else but Heather knows where it is. And that's where I can really get alone and just there's nobody there. And it's by the water and it's beautiful. And I'm like, this is great. Don't tell anybody that I'm here. You know? And I can really connect with God and I can be very productive in that in that sense. So uh, it's a challenge to, uh, you know, to stay with just with you and God because there's so many people pulling for your attention, for the next Bible study, for the next inspirational word. And it's a challenge for us to nurture ourselves first. If you don't do that, you will bleed yourself dry. You will just, there's no, oh, you're supposed to give after overflow. You're full and you're overflowing onto those around you. But if you don't fill yourself up enough, you will be drained and you'll have nothing left. And that's when pastors get in a lot of trouble. Right. And that's when they, they, they drop out of ministry or, they, or they, you know, they have a moral failure or they have something going on in their life because they, they weren't full enough. Um, just just them, and, them and God time. They let the other things pull them away. So if you would like to email us, podcast yeah. at parkwaybc.net, and guess if you are local to the Nashville area, where is Brother Matt's? hiding spot that he gets away we will uh we will bring those to him and we we will let you know if you want or not and we will all go celebrate with him and don't sit by the tell water my spot. don't you tell my spot i don't know his spot so not supposed to uh, not supposed to that's exactly right brother ken something you touched on a, a, a second ago was having your phone and bible on your phone that's one of the questions we wanted mm. to bring up because yeah. there are some people who uh, really love that idea and some people who don't so what do you think are some positives and some negatives of having that electronic bible and maybe using that and not having a, a, a you know paper copy a book copy of the bible yeah positives and negatives well obviously the positive is that most of us always have our phones with us and so if you've got your phone with you you've got god's word with you and I like that about it. As a as a pastor or even as a church member, if you go to make a visit in a hospital or with a friend and you think about a scripture, you can pull it up right there. You know, we used to have to, you know, carry a Bible with us and it wasn't very convenient. It, you know, here here he comes, here comes the Bible thumper, you know. <laughs> but uh you've always got God's word with you. And um you can there's just so much information available. Uh, the downside to me is that um, it's hard to, if you just use the electronic version, it's hard to keep your concentration always because when you're reading it, you know, you're going to get a text, you're going to get a ding, you're going to get an email. Or while you're reading it, you're going to think about, well, I wonder what the stock market's doing right now. Let me just go over and see or, or you know, I'm going to check my Facebook page out right quick or uh, something came across on Twitter. So it's always a distraction. So I'm obviously an old man. He's already called me a senior adult. Um, twice. Yeah, twice. Twice, yeah, but who's counting? I, I love the paper version, the paper copy. I mean, with that, you can write in it. You can 
you can it's easier to cross reference if you think of another verse it's easier to flip for me to flip over to another passage than to scroll through or whatever I'm, you know um but for me anything that gets god's word in front of people mm. more is advantageous i read an article a week or so ago that said if a, if the average person is in front of god's word four times a week just four times a week their lifestyle their manner of living will be markedly different than somebody that's never in god's word never opens it or whatever so whatever way we can to get god's word exposed to people for them to be able to to read it, even if it's just a verse, because that's what I usually do. If I'm out walking, I can't read a whole passage and walk. I, I, I can walk and chew gum, but I can't read and walk sometimes. <laughs> sure. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of gum is that? Yeah, well, <laughs> but, you know, you just got a verse and, and you can just meditate on, you know, just one part of that verse or we'll let that one part speak to you. So for those reasons, I think it's good. But I think it's a crutch because I have to be honest in this general now when i preach and i see people with their ipads and their phones out i'm going to tell you that all of them aren't on the scripture yeah. they're looking at other things it, just like we do anywhere else and so while i think the phone is a great tool it's also one of the greatest curses because it can divert your attention away mm-hmm. from what you're there for so there's you know, there's good and there's bad with everything, but those are some of my thoughts. Um, I think the advantage to using technology is um, you get multiple versions all at the palm of your hand because I have Bibles everywhere in my car, at home. I have a lot in my office. And if you want to get multiple versions, you got to go and get them and stack them up and take them to your spot when you're going to study. And you people look at you weird because you got 50 books in your hand. And if you have a Bible app on your phone, they're all right there to just a touch of a button. And you can... You know, you can you can cross-reference a lot of different verses with just a touch of a button. So that's that's a positive. Uh, technology has also come a long way over the years, and you can use some apps like Evernote and things like that. I, you know, they didn't pay me to say that, but it's one of my favorites because <laughs> I have a computer that I use. I have a I have a tablet and I have a phone, and I can have the same document on all three of those. And if I go to a hospital, I can I have it on my phone, and I know if I have it in my office, it's the same one. And if I edit any of it, it updates all three of them so it's so technology has changed and it makes it a lot better but i will say that when i study to to for a message i go back to the paper copy that's how i was trained that's how i was trained in seminary that's how i started ministry with a paper bible in my hand and i will always go to that to create messages from because my my fondest memories of god speaking to me is when i had a bible in my lap growing up and i remember I highlighted and underlined and wrote in the margin what the pastor said, and I could always go back to that and say, "I remember that." And look how look how terrible my handwriting was. I must have been eight when I did that, or you know, I mean, that's that's, that's true. And uh, I, I am more I have more preference for paper copy, but I like the technology and the versatility that that we have today with Bible apps too. So you don't have to go in super great detail, but talking about preparing messages, how did each of you? prepare a message just kind of a, a rundown of a week sunday comes you're in church you're pre you preach once that cert, once that church service is over what what would you do how do you prepare for the next sunday 
Um, you would love to take Monday off and do visits and meetings and business. Um, um, a lot of times life doesn't, doesn't allow that because you have other meetings scheduled on Tuesday morning staff meeting and Wednesday night church that you're, that you're preparing for. So, um, you know, to me, I try to look ahead on Monday and not, not think about Sunday, but look ahead to the next few weeks ahead and, uh, just recently, I was able to get 10 weeks ahead, which was just great for me because it's a struggle for me to push ahead. But uh, normally, you're looking ahead for that series that you're in, which is three or four weeks. And you kind of look ahead to know where you're going because there's people who are asking you where you're going. You have uh, people who are going to decorate the stage, need to know. And the music guy, he needs to know four months ahead. And so you have to kind of have some plans going that way. So um, that's Monday, Tuesday, staff meeting, Tuesday afternoon. You, you, you carve out time to start to start training looking again on Sunday, but that's not the first time you've looked at Sunday. You, 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 three weeks ago, you had an idea of what you're going to talk about. You had the main ideas. So then you start really hone on it. I like to really go over the scripture every single day, get it in your fresh in your mind, read it over and over and over. And what is it saying to me? What is it? What does that mean? Uh, what did it mean when, when, when the person wrote the Bible, what, who, who was Jesus talking to, who was his audience? And you contemplate all of that so that you can start really nailing down. And then as you get closer to the week, the people who are doing the bulletins, they got to know what, 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 what all your points are. And so it's a, uh, it catches up to you really quick. As Ken said, it, the, the clock's ticking. And sometimes you're like, God, I don't, I don't know yet. And people want to know. And I really have to tell people, I don't know yet. God hasn't told me yet. So I, you'll know when God tells me and you want to say, God, you need to hurry up because people are asking <laughs> and I'm not sure what you want me to say yeah. yet. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you work on it at night, you go home and you carve out a little bit of time to, you know, and you try to do it and you try to do a day off. And I'm as guilty as Ken is about, it's not really a day off. You'll, you'll find yourself, even if you don't have it in front of you, you're thinking about it and you're praying about it and you're trying to get an illustration for this. You know, I'm, I'm not settled on this point And does this come before that and how that would best present itself and a good illustration and an object to hold and all those things that go with it. It's, there's a lot to it and you can't force it because you want God to give it to you. We, we don't make it up on the spot and we don't wing it. We want, we want, we want it to be inspired and in what God wants for God's people on that day. And sometimes you have to wait for it. Similar, uh, you know, you start with the scripture that you're going to to go to, and and I like Matt would just saturate myself in the scripture first before you go to a commentary, before you go to any other source to see what they have to say about it. God, what are you saying in this passage, and and what do I see? And 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 I just had a notebook that I would jot down a thought, and you know when he would speak to me about something, and then would give me a basis and then as the week began to to go further uh, I would pull from different references uh, different commentaries or different uh, other people that had addressed that issue and uh, make notes uh, I I was one that would copy things on the copier for you know purposes and then you start to develop an outline and develop uh, you know your points and you're looking, I was always, and I know Matt does this better than I, but you're always looking for uh, illustrations to illustrate points. It might not be for that particular sermon, but you're always looking for stories. You're looking for experiences and things that will kind of bring it together. And you put all that down. And for me, I always took Thursday off. And so I'd come in on Friday 
And Friday's always a good day. I'm going to spoil it now. But Friday's most everybody of the church members, they're looking forward to the weekend. And unless it's an emergency, they're not calling to say, you know, whatever. They're mm-hmm. they're looking forward to their time off. So usually Fridays were, uh, you know, much quieter. And you and that's when that was the day I really put everything uh, together. Now I got interrupted a lot on Fridays from I had a minister of family life. His name was Matt Meganson. <laughs> I had nothing else to do. He would, come, he would come up to my office and just sit down and, uh, you know, even with a clock on the wall, an hour later, you know, he would leave. That is a true story, and I would just like to apologize to you because I had you no should. idea that, that, that your clock was ticking. I had no idea. You were so gracious to me. Now I know that you were there going, get up and let me finish. Sunday is coming. Yeah. I've been waiting a long time to get him on that. But, no, I enjoyed talking to Matt. But but those those distractions would happen, and that's just part of it. But I would put it all together, and then Saturdays for me is the – was is the worst day of the week because of the angst of you're ready to go. God's brought it all together. You've rehearsed it. Uh, I don't know about Matt, but, I mean, I would literally preach to the walls. Uh, in my home, uh, in, in my bathroom, at, in my office uh, before Sunday morning, uh, I, would, I would get here early, and I would literally preach it out loud, uh, just to to get acquainted. Now Matt's much much better communicator than I am, and I'm not trying to just pat him on the back. He's got a gift of being able to to share in a way that I can. I everybody that knows me, I, I write things out, and God gives it to me, and I I give it back in in my style, in my way. But I go over it, go over it. But Saturday comes, you're just you're churning because you you not that you want to get it over with, but you want to go ahead and and mm-hmm. give it. You know, you just can't wait. And then um, you do that on Sunday, and then the, one of the greatest feelings in the world is Sunday about uh, you know twelve o'clock when you've got it done. Everybody's going to eat lunch, and you take a deep breath, and then you realize, oh my gosh. Sunday's coming again. <laughs> and, and, you, and, you, and you start it all over. But, People say, uh, that was great. What's next week? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've had Hurson on here uh, a, a while ago, and he translates, for right. those that don't know, he, he translates our Sunday services into Spanish in real time. And he said that he loved translating for you because you would give him a script and you never deviated word for word. Was that uh, like an intentional memorization, or was that just you had preached to the walls enough that you had word for word? Well, unlike Matt, and I think, I mean, it's just a difference in style, I wrote out my sermons word for word. I mean, I put them all on a piece of paper, and still do. I will to the day I die. Uh, Everybody's different, but... uh, I wrote it out, and I would just go through it. Now, Harrison was nice. There were times that I would deviate because there's a few times when something sparks you and you just you get off track. But I tried to do that so I knew where I was starting, where I was going. If I just had an outline, um, there's no telling where I would wind up. I would wind up in the woods somewhere, you know. Get back. Welcome to the party in the woods. Because Susan, my wife, will tell you um, – I would come home after a sermon, and she'd say, 
that story there wasn't in your notes, was it? I don't know. How'd you know? Says, trust me, stick to your notes. I, you know, <laughs> stick to what you had planned to do. Don't don't deviate from that. I would say that Ken, because he does that, he has excellent content because he is he he controls the content perfectly that he wants to say. So it is always spot on. It's always deep. It's always measured. It's always perfect. Yeah. And that's the positive of doing it that style is you know what it's going to turn out. And you don't have to wonder, am I going to mess this up? Am I going to communicate this wrong? <laughs> yeah. It's always going to be perfect. And that's something that Ken has excelled at. He is the best funeral preacher I have ever seen mm-hmm. because he knows what he wants to say and he makes it personal. And I, I don't know, Ken, how many do you think you've done? A hundred, two hundred uh, funerals? Probably Closer to 300. 300 funerals yeah. in his career. They're all different. They're all personal. They're all perfect. And everybody feels like this This was his best funeral ever, every single time. Yeah. So what year did you become a pastor? Uh, I started in 1980. 1980. 1980. Mm. Technology, obviously different then. Was that kind of how you learned? You had to. There were no yeah. computers in every home, or even there were no office, computers. You know, it there was, were no personal computers. Right now, so, there were computers in companies, <laughs> but personal computers. I remember, I was in my second pastorate before a personal computer came, where you could do word processing and that kind of thing. So yeah, it was a different day. In my day, the 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 key to a pastor was getting enough books to put on his bookshelf in his office so he'd have something, you know, to draw from. There was no Google. There was no Internet. There was yeah. nothing. You know, Al Gore hadn't even, inter- you know, hadn't invented the Internet yet. So you had to you had to buy books and, and, and find stories out of those books. But, yeah, that was part of it. And, I, you know, I, I just made it a practice of writing. And I write, I write my sermons and weddings and funerals out in pencil because I erase, you know, brother Jimmy would write his out with a permanent pen. You know, if I did that, I would waste reams of paper because I start over and go back and that kind of thing. But yeah, you had to do that. So it's a big, big difference. You know, this off topic a little but you know, there was no, with no phone, even before beepers. So you'd go out and make hospital visits mm-hmm. And there was no way to contact you that if so-and-so, oh, they just got admitted to another hospital while you're downtown, you can run over there. I would come all the way back to the office and find out so-and-so had gone in and have to go all the way back. So technology's come a long, long way. But that is also a little distracting because you're never off, right? Yeah. So back then, oh yeah, yeah, you could leave the office and everyone had house phones then, but... Yeah. You maybe not get the frequency of calls or a text message or something that you would get now. Right, right. Yeah, I would say my style is a little different than Ken's because where he controls his content, I kind of focus on connecting with the audience. And so I do use an outline. I don't have a manuscript. And the the negative to that is sometimes it doesn't come out the way you thought it might come out. Or you you get to the end and go, did I say that the way I wanted to say that? I didn't mean to say that. And your wife is glaring at you because you you made a joke on the the fly and she's not happy about it. And she said, you're supposed to clear that with me. Although Ken's done a lot of that too, though. And his was written out. And he intentionally insulted Susan. Yes, I did. uh, He continued to do so. So this past Sunday, I told a joke and my wife just kind of took issue. And I said, I'm sorry, honey, I was going for the laugh. 
yeah. You got was, the laugh. I got the laugh, but uh, it was tough at home. No, it wasn't really. But, but uh, you know, so my style's different. They're both effective, and they're, yeah. and they're just and that's, that's not a generational thing. That's a personality thing. That that's, I've always been that way. Ken's always been that way. He has perfect content. I have good connection, and there's no right or wrong to either one. I will about, say. Uh, oh, go ahead, Fano. No, I've no, talked no. enough. No, no, you're fine. No, this because mine's mine. It's well, my, mine's dumb this. and won't take long. So, <laughs> I will say, at the time, I was only the second person to notice that Brother Ken flips his papers backwards. Mm, I see, he does. So I asked him one day after after I've church. I've never noticed that because I know you know most people when they read something they flip it to their left. And then they continue to read. He flips the opposite way. So I asked huh. him about it because, like, you know, I want to learn. Is, is there a secret I'm missing out on here? And <laughs> he said, that's just how he did it. So, well, yeah. it, it all had to do with when I read my Bible and put my Bible down on the stand, I put it here. If I, if I did the paper the other way, I didn't have enough room. It would have gone off on mm. the floor. Now, so move your Bible and you could do it. You could, you know, move your Bible to the other side. But, you could be uh, normal. Move but, your Bible, right? Yeah, I'm abnormal in many ways. But yeah, no you, you, hey, you and uh, Tom Mosier are the only two people that have actually noticed that in, uh, enough to come up and say, why do you do it that way? And I said, I've just always done it that way. I was just trying to learn. I'm all, yeah. always on nice. the way up, Fano. Yeah. Always nice. on the way oh, up. Speaking of, let me pass on to you now. All right. Days off. So do you have the same days off like Ken's was always Thursday? Uh, I've what? been – Thursday forever because he made me be Thursday. Okay, well, I, was, just... I was the last one hired, and he said, okay. uh, "You get Thursday because okay. because uh, other people already have Friday." Gotcha. So I've done it for fourteen years until gotcha. the last three weeks. I've tried to flip it and be off on Friday, and you, you get Friday Saturday. Mm. So I haven't decided if I like it yet or not. There's gotcha. pros and cons to both. Okay, uh, there are some weeks when you get none. Okay. You just that's Most just weeks, that's I'm just sure. no, not really. But you try at least try to carve out some of your day. Right. Try to sleep a little late. Right. You know, try to be normal and just do chores around the house and wash a lot of clothes and yeah. just kind of decompress. Yeah. yeah. When I came on staff here, I was the low man on the totem pole. Bobby Webb switched to Friday, okay. so I had to have Thursday. Okay. Uh, but what I learned for me was, especially when I became the pastor here. When you get through Wednesday, Wednesday's a big day like Sunday's a big day. Mm -hmm. And so you go home on Wednesday night, and to have Thursday, you just take a breath, and you just can kind of relax for a little bit. And as I've said, then come in on Friday, mm -hmm. and you can really focus in on some things because things are slowing down. So that worked for me. So I never really wanted to to go back. But, mm -hmm. you know, every everybody's different. Every right. family's different. And there is a lot of advantages to having mm – -hmm. A two-day weekend like most mm. normal people have, but I never could turn it all off to, to do that. So right. uh, we we both got Thursdays because our predecessor pastor says this is the day you'll go. But my gotcha. brother Jimmy says, but we're going to play golf every Thursday. <laughs> and I tried to do that with Matt. We, we played some early. golf. It's <laughs> too early. <laughs> Family first. <laughs> I've got to get out to that little special place by the water. You know? See, what he's really doing, he's fishing, is what he's doing. He That's what he's found. Fishing for men. Fishing yeah. for men. I, yeah. I heard that somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, last big question. What 
are some of the biggest problems that you think are facing the church today or facing individuals in the church today? Well, for me, I think that um, it's more about me than we or thee, if you want to think about it like that. Can I use that Sunday? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I just, I got you. Yeah. I write that down, Daniel. That was good. You know, <laughs> we live in a society, a culture, it's all about me and what I like, what I want, when I want it. And if you don't agree with me, you know, then I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to attack it. It's all about me. And it all revolves around me. The church is not about me. It's about we. It's about us together. And it's really about the, it's really about God. But that's the biggest problem I see. It's a part of our culture, our society. It's bled over into the church. Uh, So the church, instead of standing up and being salt and light like we're called to be, we've just reacted you know we've just we've we've wallowed with the world and we've strayed away too and so even if we're still in the church it's still about me uh, about the kind of music i like or the color carpet there the kind of coffee that my Sunday school class brings or whatever and if i don't like it you know i you know sometimes i'll just pack up and leave and go somewhere and uh you know when i look at the scripture, you know, I always go back. Jesus said if anybody was going to come after him, he had to deny himself. That means we take me out of it. It's not about me. You know, Rick Warren has that famous, it's not about me. Uh, you know, you, you've got to take yourself out of it. Paul said that he had been crucified with Christ. He no longer lived, but Christ lived in him. And the life he now lived, he lived by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself up for We've got to live for the Lord. And uh, so in the church, people have got to get away from what is their preferences and focus in, is this what God wants for me? Is this what God wants for my family? And unity is so important. And we live in such a fractured society today. I mean, I've never seen our country more divided than it is. It's us against them. And that mindset creeps over even into the church, you know. And it shouldn't be that way. Of all the places in the world where people ought to be able to find unity and togetherness and one purpose should be coming together. And when we come together, this should be... You know, a picture of heaven on earth, if you would, fellowshipping together. But yet, I've watched over the years, people, you know, they're not happy about anything. And, they're, they, and they make a deal out of things that are inconsequential, but enough to where it disrupts our mission and our vision of what God wants us to be. So I just think we live in a very selfish society, and, and I think the seeds of that is been found in the church and we've got to always be vigilant to root that out and say it's about god and uh you know i just see it in the loyalty of people families that come to church you know if you upset them enough if they don't like enough they'll just pack up and go to another church because there's another one on the corner you know and there's not that sense of loyalty you know one of the things that struck me when i first became pastor here in a deacon's meeting was Dennis Dean stood up in a deacon's meeting. And this would have been, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, when his children were really small. 
He says, we've decided that Parkway is going to be our church home. This is where we're going to raise our family, and this is where we're going to invest our life. And nothing's going to stop us from doing that. And nothing has. They have been faithful. They've been an example of, you know, because every church goes through good times and bad times. Mm Good ministers and bad ministers. Good Sunday school teachers and bad Sunday. But, you know, that's life. Everything's not going to be perfect everything. So when something doesn't go your way, you don't make a deal out of it and leave or create a ruckus. We're here for the we'll, – we'll weather this and we'll go through it together because we're here for others. That's, that's what I see. The emphasis on me, it's not about reaching that person that needs Jesus or that person that needs to grow in their spiritual faith. And – uh you know, I'm I'm worried that the church and COVID did not help us. COVID gave us another excuse to say, well, I don't feel comfortable coming back. And there's some legitimate concerns about safety. I'm not downplaying that. But now people use that for the wrong. It's just another excuse in the arsenal of why they're not close to God. So we've got to combat that. We've got to be salt and light and lay it all on the line for the Lord. And when you do that, then there's nothing that the church can't accomplish, and there's no place the church can't go when God's in charge and leading it. Mm. I'm sorry, what was the question? Ditto. Yeah, just, just, just say ditto, and you're, you're coming. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I went to sleep. <laughs> that, you know. no, I'm on my phone. See, I, like see, I didn't have, I didn't no, have I my notes. I, I don't have any notes, no, and I'm in good. trouble. No, I, was, I was right there with you. Ken, right talk, there with Ken you. talked about in the church. I'll just mention briefly something about outside the church. <laughs> Um, emphasis on briefly <laughs> with a little twinkle in his eye. <laughs> um, I think our society has kind of decided they don't need God anymore. Um, they're not looking to him for guidance anymore. They've decided they can figure it out. Uh, you know, when my kids were little, we'd get a toy and we would open it up and some assembly required, which meant a lot of assembly required. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And we would get out the instructions. And it, I looked at the instructions about till step two. And then it was... I think I got this. I mean, this looks obviously this goes here and these go together. And well, these extra parts, I don't need those. And, and I feel like I can figure it out because, you know, I'm educated. Right. And I, it's a toy. And I, I know that some engineer somewhere came up with the idea of this toy and they had computer programs that created all of this stuff. They did all this work and I ignored all of that wisdom and I'm going to figure it out myself. And the results are pretty disastrous. And I think that's what our society's doing. We're ignoring the fact that God had a plan, that he's the architect. There's an, there's an instruction book called the Bible and we don't need that anymore. We're just going to figure it out ourselves and we can figure out what truth is and we can figure out what lives should be like and what marriage should be like and what gender should be. And we go through all these things and we're going to figure it out ourselves and we ignore the instructions and we make a disaster out of our life and of our society because we feel like we don't, we don't need to ask God anymore, but he's the architect. He's the engineer of it all. He's got the blueprint. He's got it in our hands. We don't need that. I'm educated. I can figure it out. And we put ourselves on our throne of our life and the results there's parts left over. Kids aren't happy. We're not happy. And we wonder, look around and start blaming people. Why is, why is society like this? Why is my life falling apart? It's because we put God on a shelf and we don't ever ask him. We don't ever look at the book. We don't read it. We don't believe it. We don't live it. And the results of that is we get what we sowed. And that is mm-hmm. we tried to do it ourselves and we messed it up. 
All right, we're going to end on a little uh, uh, a different note. That was great. We done already? No, we're, get, we're getting close. Getting <laughs> Keep close. Going. Keep going. Man. So, uh, well, first, I'll, I'll say, Brother Ken, when we first started this podcast, we had two, maybe three episodes out. <laughs> I emailed him, and I said, hey, if you have some time, please check this out. I would love your feedback. Let me know. And he's... Gave did some, he? Oh, did he? Yeah. He didn't ask well, my opinion ooh, once. He, I think. I, he gave some great insight. I think after we got his opinion, we didn't want yours. Right, right. We're afraid. <laughs> we're afraid. Honestly. He, he gave some great insight, some great suggestions, and he said, my only real critique that I would change is it's too long. It needs to be shorter. But I see all this great content that just comes out naturally. We can't get rid of any of it. Two episodes. Keep it. Season three. Yeah, season three. So, see, see how easy it is to just get sucked into that hour plus. Sometimes you so, get yeah. lost in the content. Well, first of all, you have to take take into consideration. I had to listen to Zach Edson for an hour, so <laughs> you know that's tough. That's that tough. That's that's tough. Order. Good point. It's painful. That is, but very. <laughs> if you were not called to ministry and you were not a pastor, what other career would you have chosen? Um, my college degree was recreation and sports management. That's what I was studying before I was called into ministry. So if I was going to use that, I was a lifeguard and I worked for the Red Cross and trained lifeguards. So that might be something I really thought it'd be cool that I would, if I used that degree, I would, I would be the uh, activities director on a cruise ship. Nice. So I could be, that would be cool before I got married. That would be cool to be on a, you know, travel the world and be the activities. I don't think that works with little kids. Daddy, no, daddy, quit playing so shuffleboard and come, no. come help me with math. No. And we could be like Zach and Cody on the, on the, on the cruise ship. Our go. kids doing math. Sweet and life. I, I exactly. Think, Thanks I for think the reference. Those, uh, <laughs> those, those low level employees on a cruise ship, their room is about the size of this table, I think. So that's probably a, a good choice. It, they're, they're not living in that presidential yeah. suite. I don't yeah. think the wife would have gone for that uh, but uh sure. something like that using that degree i love that degree and i was heading that direction and then god called me to ministry and i realized that i need to do something different so you know but you're going to seminary to go be trained and you use you know and you go that direction but that would be something fun for me to do i do something in the recreation sports field and who knows maybe work on a cruise ship and none of his leagues would have started early in the morning. So he's <laughs> That's true. That's we'll get true. started at 1 o'clock. Why, right. why are we teeing off so early? There's still water on the ground. Dew's still on the ground. Come on, it's wet. Let's go. Uh, my, my degree was in business, and, uh, you know, God called me in the middle of my college career. Uh, so my plan had always been to be a business person, uh, I think, to – one day own my own company, have my own company. And uh, I don't know exactly what that would have looked like, but uh, it would have been something. My I came from, you know, humble beginnings. I mean, my dad uh, provided for our family. He was a pipe fitter at DuPont in Chattanooga. My mom was a homemaker, so we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And I, I think my goal was to, to make more money and to be able to buy things that we couldn't afford. Mm. And uh, I thought that business was the way to go. And that's where I was headed. And then chose to become a pastor and went back down to poverty <laughs> level. But, uh, you know, the first pastorate I ever had, I was a young, young guy, 26 years old. The, the guy before me had been bivocational. Okay. He taught it. A community college and so this was just a sidelight for him so i come in the first deacons meeting they say will you come and work for the same amount of money we were paying that guy 
I'm sitting there going, dude, I'm going to be full time. But of course I said, yes. And so I think my first year I made, uh, $12,500 a year as a pastor. And then we had some deacons that, you know, decided after a few months that it needed to be raised up. And, but that's one thing I've never worried about. I don't know about Matt. God has always provided financially. And I, I would be here to tell you that, uh, tithing uh, works because it's God's instruction and uh, the fact that if you give you give back to God out of what he's blessed you with you will always have enough to take care of your needs and he has been faithful to me I mean there have been times when things were tough and tight and how are we going to do this but God always provided a way so uh, I don't know how I got off on that but I would, uh, I would agree with that I would say that no one that I'm aware of does ministry for the money or for the glory, or for the fame. Um, it's a calling because the money's not worth it. The glory's not worth it. All that you go through, you do it for God and God alone. And if you weren't called to it, you wouldn't survive in Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Because it is stressful and it's difficult. But if you're gifted, you're gifted by God to do it. If you're called, then he's the one that makes a way. And we don't have a choice to quit because we're called. It's God's choice. He called us. He tells us when we quit. We can't just walk away. Yeah. Well, thank you both very much for being here. Lots of, of great yeah. um, information. And again, it, it crosses all walks of life. So um, something that we all can apply no matter where we are or what we do. So thank you both very much for being here. Who's got the verse? You got one? Oh. Or are you looking one got, up? We have I two pastors here. We're not going to go. While Ken was, go their favorite Ken Bible was, verse. Going to go their favorite while Bible Ken was verse, preaching, right? I think Ryan looked one up. Yeah. Are we going their favorite Bible verse? We've got two pastors while here. While Ken was we preaching. We didn't, we didn't prep him for that. Oh. We got it. Ryan was over there doing homework, so I don't want him to feel like he did it in I vain. Got one that, I got one that tied with it, but we can go any direction. I just want to make sure we had one. That was it. We got one. Well, how about it? Okay. Well, no, no, you, you okay, go ahead. A little bit of debate here if, if Ryan's going to finish or the, the two pastors are going <laughs> to. I think Stefano just wants us to share ours. I think Stefano just wants ours to share ours. Let's go with all three. Okay. Send, send it, Ryan. Let's see. Always Can't have too many. So this one, this one kind of pulled up on me, and we've been kind of digging into this in Sunday school as well, but uh, it's Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So we were talking about that, and I liked it. First uh, Peter 5, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the God of all grace, who has called you into his infinite glory in Christ Jesus, will he himself restore you, and he will make you strong firm and steadfast to him be the glory forever and ever amen now who preached the message (laughs) (laughs) mine is going to be john 330 he must increase i must decrease Decrease. this is john the baptist testimony and that's what i've tried to live by in my life he needs to be ever increasing jesus in my life every day and i must decrease well, there is no better way to end than that right there. So thank you for listening. Rewind this and listen as needed multiple times. But thank you both for being here. Thank you all for listening. And we will see you all again next week on GPS to God. Was... You did go to the Iron Bowl this year, right? I did. Yeah. That's great. And uh, so I come home. I've been in Missouri. Keep it rolling. I turn on, <laughs> I turn on the TV. 
Auburn has got this game won. <sighs> With a minute the left. The dude goes out of bounds. And I told Susan, I said, Alabama has enough time. They will win this game. Meganson has let me down. He's there. I was in the stands and I said that too. We're gonna, they're gonna win this game. It's a glory day. Anytime Alabama gets beat, it's a glory day. And he let me down. I let you down. I was but, cheering loud. But then he made a trip to Knoxville, Tennessee, to watch his Auburn Tigers play the Tennessee Volunteers. And he again came home a loser. I did. Thank you for listening to GPS to God. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you happen to listen or watch. And don't forget to turn on the notifications so you know when new episodes air.